good one. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's always so awkward trying to start this out. Like it's it's. I we're don't just know what to staring say. at each other from across the table. Yeah. Like, uh, we're just hey. waiting for that little music to stop and just I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, welcome to Rooted in Logos, episode number fifty. All right, wait, hang on, fifty. No. Wow! Wow! <laughs> No, nope. I, I feel. There we go. Good. Episode number fifty. No, now everyone's happy. It's ruined. It's ruined. Oh, no, sitting ovation. It's fine. <laughs> uh, my name is Brad. I'm joined as always by my good friend Austin, and this week special guest Atticus. He is the brother of Simon, who you've heard here a few times, and Isaac, who you've heard I think twice. Well, two episodes. Yeah, we yeah, recorded yeah, yeah. it. Same anyway. But yeah, yeah. Um, so we had to get the third brother here yeah. to, to round it out and finish what, the trio. Finish the trio. <laughs> and what what better episode than episode fifty? Yeah, yeah. This one's the best one, though. Oh yeah, it's Sa- for save sure. the best one. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I'm very honored to be here today. This is going to be uh, very great. I'm looking forward to it. So all right. Yeah. So we are recording on Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day oh, to yeah. all you yeah. people that are stupid and have significant others, uh, <laughs> burdened by love. <laughs> So anyway. glad I'm not burdened by that <clears throat> nonsense. No, yeah. but no. Happy Valentine's Day, and also day after the Super Bowl. Congratulations, Matthew Stafford. Go Matthew Stafford. Yeah. I can't say go L.A. because eh. yeah. why, why would you? But yeah. uh, so yeah, who won? Uh, the Rams. The Rams won twenty three twenty. Pretty good game, oh, cool. I thought. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, I, I know Atticus. You were at a, at a party. Um, I stayed home and watched it here, just not feeling great. Which, by the way, my least favorite episodes to edit is when I'm stopped up and just kind of. You know, have that Ohio yeah. Valley crud, right? Because I hear, I, I don't like my voice anyway. And on top of it already being nasally, even worse when I'm stopped up. So it's yeah. my least favorite. I but lost my voice somehow. So this is not normally how I sound. This is something weird going on. So no, 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 no. I mean, like, I lost my voice. No, I know. But I just, <laughs> oh, okay. I still need to turn, turn you up a little bit. Like... No, I turned you up. I turned you up. Yeah. No, but we, so, um, so I know you didn't watch the halftime show, but that was yeah. like the big topic on social media was the Super Bowl halftime yeah, I've show. I've heard a lot of people talk about it, but um, yeah, no, I've, I think the last one I watched might have been Bruno Mars, but which usually, might be my favorite one, honestly. Yeah, usually, I do like a party with anyone in our church, and it's very it's just a very cool tradition of like every halftime show we try to like sit down and just have worship, sometimes communion, and so last night was. It's just a cool break from like okay, we're in the world, but like we're not of the world, so let's like mm. sit down and like. You know, have worship and stuff like that. So, well, it, now, I'm, I'm not going to admit that I liked the halftime show. Uh, <laughs> it was terrible. So, wait, who was in the halftime show this year? You had um, um, Snoop Dogg, yeah. Dr. Dre, Eminem. Really? Well, I know who all those Mary, people are. Mary J. Blige. <laughs> no. 50 wow. Cent, Kendrick Lamar. Wow. I don't know who I, I heard they had too many people. It was too many people. Yeah. They could have left out. Mary J and 50 and it would have been yeah. actually pretty cool. Like, you know, cause I, I don't necessarily hate rap, right? I hate all the language and all the just nonsense in the lyrics. Yeah. But when they're doing it on cable, most of that's cut out. So it's, you can hear their voices and hear the style, but not have to hear the. Okay. The question is, were any of them actually singing? You know, I, I, so I pay attention to that because okay. I know in the, at the Super Bowl they typically lip sync and right. I think there was one year the Red Hot Chili Peppers played and they didn't even have their instruments plugged that in. That was really right. Boring. So I I, so I was watching to see it. Just you can kind of tell if they're lip syncing, yeah. and I actually think they were they were actually oh, performing. Okay. I think what's her name, Mary J. Blige, got like really winded at one point, and like you could tell. <laughs> yeah. So Miss Blige. Yeah. How you say how old how is she? How old is she? I think it's like fifty. 
That's it? Oh, yeah. okay. I thought so, it was a little bit further than that. Yeah, the one person I would have like be, been interested in, I think, in that would have been like Eminem. I've never like seen any of his concerts or anything. So, and actually, I I really do get into some of his music, but I mean, I don't. I totally don't. <laughs> yeah, no, totally don't. Definitely not. Terrible. Totally, Knees but. weak, arm spaghetti. <laughs> he did that song. That's really Ma- he did. Mom spaghetti. I heard that line. Yeah. Oh well. Hey. Okay. Yeah. So he did. What was that one shot? He did one that shot. one. To not miss chance to blow them out. Okay, whatever. I don't know any Eminem songs. No, 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 no. it's fine. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I've only mentioned them a couple times on this. So anyway, uh, anyway, so anyway, uh, good weekend overall. Yeah. I got to go back to Rupp Arena for the first time in like four years. Yeah. Watch Kentucky play. That was fun. Did they win? They won by twenty-one. Hey, cool. Nice dominant game and not super uh, intense. It was just fun to relax and watch them win. Austin's breaking things. I didn't even on his touch mic. it. okay maybe i'm breaking things by setting it up the wrong way i don't know so this week we are going to dive into the great commission we're going to talk about evangelism talk about different strategies the reason why atticus is on one we just wanted him to be on but also he's training for the mission field right so that is kind of the long-term plan i think is to yeah Going to the mission field? Yeah. Originally, my whole plan was to be a worship leader, actually. And he was talking about how they've had my brother Isaac on. And me and Isaac lead worship at our church right now. So that's one thing I get to do on the side. But God kind of like totally changed my plans uh, in, in high school. And he told me like I was going to the mission field. So ever since then, I've been training uh, with one organization uh, called Team Expansion in Louisville. And then uh, some very wise men from that created their own organization called Discipleship Global. And I've recently gotten on board with that. And they've been training me, which has been like, they're the wisest men I've met, most like, I don't know, influential, most fruitful people I've met. And so I'm just like, teach me everything. (laughs) Like, like I want to know how they talk. I want to like pray like them. Like, I want to just, and they've seen so many cool things happening. I'm just like, okay, like, this is a good place to be. I just want to learn from them. So yeah, I'm in training. I'll probably be in training my whole life with these guys. So yeah. Now, as it should be. Yeah. 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 Now, is, is Dr. Almond, is he in that group with you or yeah. in the global? We kind of got Dr. Almond involved with us. Okay. Um, because. Is it like, Gary? Gary? Gary Yeah, Almond yeah. From okay, cool. Coke and Coffee. Yeah. yeah. Shout out. Uh, we, we just, yeah. Shout out. <laughs> uh, we sat down with him, uh, had coffee, and just shared what we do. And he was like, that sounds like what I want to do. And so uh, he jumped on board with us and uh, it's been going great. We meet on Sunday nights right now at Coke and Coffee um, after they, their after hours is what it's called. So. That's pretty cool because we're doing this covenant training at, at church right now mm-hmm. on Friday nights and uh, ran into him, uh, Gary Almond, and at, at the time, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is one of my old professors from like 14 years ago, 15 years ago when I was in Bible <laughs> college. It was really cool to see him. In fact, it was, I was telling him, I actually complained to him about an assignment he gave me. Um, <laughs> the worst assignment I've ever done in any school ever. It was this China missionary binder. We had yeah. to plan an entire mission trip to China. And put it in this binder. Yeah. Um, and that was awful. Uh, I, I just, from a, I don't like doing projects mm-hmm. standpoint, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd rather write a paper, weirdly enough, you know, as yeah, opposed to um, <laughs> doing this whole big planning. I had to buy, get flights and come up with curriculum. And, what? Yeah. That sounds like a very helpful. Okay, like, I didn't say it wasn't helpful. I just said it was terrible to do. No, I agree. Like anything in a binder just sounds terrible, but it sounds very helpful. Like especially from my experience, I'm like, man, I wish. Like I, my first mission trip that I did on my own, I had to like plan it all out. I'm like ah, I, I wish I was trained on how to do yeah. this because it was kind of stressful. But yeah. So 
we thought Atticus's perspective today would be great for the Great Commission, so let's dive into that. We'll spend the first little bit going through the Great Commission, just discussing practical implications of that, and then we're going to let Atticus kind of talk about what he's doing with three thirds, but what uh, global discipleship global discipleship global. Yeah. I should have probably figured that out before we started this. But, <laughs> um, so anyway, we'll, we'll, that's kind of our game plan for today. So let's uh, let's dive in. Austin, why don't you read the Great Commission for us? Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So says the king. The Great Commission. I mean, we've all... Heard it, we know it, we recite it. It's in a lot of mission statements. It, I mean, it is a very popular verse, very popular passage to to quote and to 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 do. To do, yeah. There we go. Thank <laughs> to you. Obey. Yeah. To obey, and and I mean, really, it's you know, it's one of the most of the not most, obeyed. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the most not obeyed things, and it's it's one of the most clear directives that he gives yeah. us. Like it's one of the most not not a lot of nuance there, not a lot of open, not yeah. open for interpretation. Yeah, I got to go back to my old high school and uh, teach about, it was just like teaching their FCA. And I was like, there's, to me, there's like three very obvious commands that Jesus gave. And it's like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Like that's, you know, the first, the most obvious. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. It's like the third, I would say is this, like go and make disciples. That was a, it's very clear. He says, right there, there's obviously other ones like love orphan, orphans and widows and things like that. But it's like, yeah, right here is like, Go and make disciples. Like, I don't know where we, that is like lost in translation. I honestly think a big reason that we say that it's like, it's not so obeyed is that it's like scary. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and two, again, looking at the commands of Christ and he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Yeah. And it's like, okay, if, if you truly love Christ, then you need to look at, again, scripture, look at the Logos. And if it says, if he says for you to do something, you got to do it. Yeah. And this is the big one. This, this is the mission of every single Christian known to man from when Christ came until when he comes back again. And this is what we're all supposed to be doing. So yeah, yeah. we're going to be talking about, you know, what does that look like? How can we do that versus how do we not do that? And so, yeah. Let's... So I think the first thing I notice and one of, I think we should point out is this goes beyond just telling people about Christ, right? That's the first step. All right. Step one is to proclaim Christ, to tell people the good news, to talk, to teach people the gospel. But it goes beyond that, right? It, it, it's making disciples. Yes. It's, it's, and I think that's where a lot of, a lot of churches, a lot of evangelists, a lot of speakers, even a lot of mission organizations fall short is they do the tell Jesus part and they do it very well and very effectively. But then what happens after that? Right. They go out. What's the follow-up? They get them in. They preach the gospel, which is good. They baptize because they've got everybody hyped up, and then they move on. And then it's like, okay, now what? Yeah. With all these fresh converts, now what? Yeah. Where's the make disciple <laughs> aspect of it? So let's just start with the tell people. So what what does that look like? What should that look like? Um, just practically speaking, how do you tell people about Christ? One of the biggest things to me that I see in Jesus's walk, like on his walk on earth, was his the way that he handles uh, the Pharisees, like those inside the church or the religious leaders, how he handles religious people out 
and like how he handles, you know, the lost sheep of Israel or, or however you'd call it. Or the or Gentiles. The, the, the woman at the well. Yeah, exactly. Right? So like all the things he calls the Pharisees and he's like, it's never something nice for the most part. He's always like. <laughs> you brood of vipers. Yeah. And he's like, you know. Where, you children of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> he tells his disciples, you know, like, where is your faith at? You you little faith. He's like, all, all these people who call themselves spiritual, he's very direct and like, look, step up your game kind of thing. And then. And then you see how he handles people outside the church. I think this is what we need to focus on is like, uh, you just mentioned the woman at the well, but then there's like the woman with uh, internal bleeding. That's that's one that I've always like loved. I love that story. But so many of these stories, even the Roman centurions and everything, he, he just addresses them with grace. Yeah. You know, like they don't know any better. They don't know the wrong that they're doing. And that, that reminds me, of, I think some of my parents actually would tell me a lot was like, Hey, you got to understand like these people aren't the enemy. They're not the ones who are like doing these horrible things. They are captives to Satan. Yeah. Like there are people who they just don't know the wrong that they're doing. Yeah. And it's like, I want to have Jesus's eyes and look at them with like grace and like, you know, compassion. Like, man, I wish you knew. And if we had that heart to them that, you know, if we had that heart of like, I just wish you would know, I think that would move a lot of us to like tell them, you know, and tell them correctly. Even taking that step further of, I mean, technically, scripturally, they are the enemy, but they don't know it. Like they're at war with God as in our flesh is at war with God. So if we could say, look, and again, lovingly, you're at war with the God of the universe. You don't want to, you don't want to be there. That is not a good place to be. Yeah. (laughs) And and it's that, do you know you're at war with him? And if they they don't know anything about Christ, I'm sure that could, that it's one of those, well, no, I didn't know that. It's like, all right, let's get you on this side and then we can learn some more and then let's go from there. And, And I find myself struggling to share Christ in that, in that setting. I, I'm much more comfortable talking to Pharisees and talking to, yeah, the ones that are pretty harsh. I mean, we Simon even mentioned a couple weeks ago. I mean, you guys have taken some shots at Furtick lately, and it's like <laughs> I like doing that. Like, let's, let's call people out that are yeah. proclaiming Christ that aren't teaching Christ. Yeah. you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, my, one of my weaknesses is sharing the faith, especially with someone that I know, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with with friends or with family, family, yeah. colleagues, like it, it, people I spend time with. I, I struggle with that, and and you know, I, sometimes I'll use the excuse, "Well, I'm just trying to live my life in a way that's an example." Okay, that's good. <laughs> like, there's a place for that. Yeah. But that's not it, and it is. It's it's making sure you have the eyes, and and that terrible Brandon Heath song. Heath song, give me your eyes for just one minute. You know, <laughs> um, I randomly heard that the other day. Uh, that will always be like in my mind. Like I, yeah. I think I could probably like quote most of the lyrics just because I don't know. Like I was yeah. just raised on it. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I get the song. I just don't like it. Yeah, uh, yeah, anyway, totally, yeah. <laughs> it's a great. Give me your eyes. That's yeah. a great thing to ask God for. But just. Maybe a different tune. I don't know. <laughs> right. yeah. Or a different singer. That's a scary thing to ask for. I don't know if I'd want that, well, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Situationally. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, or circumstantially, I guess. It's like, yeah, give me your eyes to see like those who yeah. need you, not give me your eyes to see what they're sinning. Oh, gosh. Like, who's sinning? What they're My doing. whole body would just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, take it back, please. Take exactly. it back. <laughs> yeah. No. It, so, and again, all right, going back to the Great Commission, looking at towards the end, when Christ is telling them to go forth, making disciples, it goes to, okay, what are you supposed to be teaching them? Again, we're looking at non-believers. So, when you are evangelizing, when you are winning people for Christ, 
you go for the milk. And so, I mean, just going back to Matthew chapter 5 and 6, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, looking at, you know, uh, when he's telling them and making harsher when you look at a woman with lustful intent, you're committing adultery. Mm-hmm. It is no longer if you actually just commit it, it's if you're thinking it. Mm-hmm. When you have hatred in your heart for your brother, that is as if you were killing him. You have just murdered your brother. And so, you're taking these commandments, you're taking these things which Christ has given us and has been written down in the gospel, which is the good news, you're teaching them about Christ, and you are just relaying that to these people. And so, it's like, yeah, as as you go out into the world, how to how do you approach that? You walk up to somebody and do you just automatically say, hey, do you know who Jesus is? And you can. I, I mean, honestly, I've never been in the point where I go up to somebody and say, have you ever heard of Jesus? And they say, no. Mm-hmm. But I've never been out of country. Yeah. So that- so, okay, so let me ask you this: like that, this maybe can bring us to the the question of how how do you do this? Like, what is the proper technique, or maybe not proper, but I, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe this is just me, but like in the West, specifically in America, mm-hmm. I've not really been outside the United States, but this abrasive, brazen approach is really hard, and a lot of times turns people off. Whereas opposed to, I would assume. I know you've been to Turkey. you've been to Turkey, you've been to Haiti. Haiti yeah, um, it, it's easier, right, to just walk up to someone and and dis- discuss Jesus with them. Maybe I don't know. So that side of they don't know anything versus they've heard of them and he's they've heard of Jesus or they've gone to church maybe once or twice. Yeah. The so how does that about, work? I think the hard thing about doing it in America is that like a lot of people. I was just talking to someone about this earlier today. A lot of people in America have had an experience like in church or with a Christian. And so, and like a lot of people have had experience with a bad Christian who, and they're like, yeah, okay, I don't want anything to do with Jesus because if this is what Christianity is, I don't want anything to do with it. That's why a lot of people in America are like, no, it's not for me. Another big reason is because America is all about comfort. Well, the gospel is uncomfortable. Like the real God preaching the true gospel is uncomfortable. When you're telling somebody what they're doing is wrong. Yeah. People don't really like to hear that. Well, the Bible talks about it being, you know, it's foolishness to those who don't believe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It doesn't make sense. It sounds stupid. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's like, I, wait, wait, I got to change? Yeah. And it's like, well, yes, but like not to come to him. You know, it's it's this balance and it's it's hard for them to wrap well, their mind around it. Especially in this day and age where it is all about you be you and be unique and be special mm-hmm. and you don't have to change for anybody. And even when you, you're talking to people about dating, even for, for a man looking for a woman, it's, well, if she wants you to change, she's not the right person for you. It's like, well, biblically speaking... Uh, yeah, you are to change more like Christ. You're to become more yeah. like Christ mm-hmm. and get rid of your junk. <laughs> but we were just supposed to change, and yeah, people don't want to change. Yeah, yeah, it's it's America's very comfortable. I know, like we we'll talk to these guys in Uganda, and Uganda is like not unreached or anything. Like it's a very saved country, but they talk about how like it's a daily faith struggle for them. They're like, if we don't have faith in God, people will die. Like, and they're like, like we need medicine. And we don't have the resources. We can't get this medicine. If we don't pray, they're going to die. And Mm -hmm. so it's like faith is legit there. We don't have to experience that here. We're like medicine's all around us. You know, I I went to the dollar store and bought Dayquil today. Yeah. Right. (laughs) To clear up the stuff. It's very comfortable here. I think like Turkey, I, I went there right after I graduated high school. The hard thing about that is Turkey, Turkey, people think it's like all Muslim. They're like secular Muslim. So it's like, or a lot of people are there at least, um, like Istanbul and Izmir. 
Uh, I, I was in Izmir for two weeks and yeah, it's like, it's like America. People are like, oh yeah, I know Jesus, but like they don't live it. it that's the same thing for Muslims yeah. there is like, yeah, I'm Muslim, but then it's like, okay, well, can you tell me, you know, who is Allah and stuff like that? And they're like, no, I, I can't. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm Muslim because my parents are, yeah. or my grandparents yeah. were. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds I, very familiar. I am not great right. at talking to like a Muslim. I don't know a whole lot about Islam and like all that stuff or like the Quran. I've never read it. I know people who are great at it, but the hard thing that I've experienced with them is like, if you talk about Jesus, they're like, yeah, I know Jesus, the prophet. And you're like, ah, like, <laughs> that's not what I was talking about. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely hit or miss. I think America is just very comfortable and yeah, the Bible is not comfortable in, by any means. And so, yeah, it, it can be very difficult. Yeah. Well, the, for me, it, and that's it. Like I've never been in that, that position where I'm talking to somebody who's never heard the gospel or they've never heard of Christ. Mine is that side of, okay, you were hurt by somebody in the church, but you're blaming it on the church. Mm-hmm. And so that has been so much of my conversations yeah. of, okay, what they did was wrong and what they did was unbiblical. And they're like, un what? Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, <laughs> give me five minutes. Let me, <laughs> let me explain something. So I, I can go into a little bit. And the, the several times I'm able to go through it, they're like, why didn't they just do that? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm like, all I can do is apologize from a Christian standpoint for these bad, unbiblical Christians showing you a wrong way and just try to show you what actually the Bible says. Yeah. And I'd love to be able to be in the point where I'm like, have you ever heard of Jesus? And they're like, no. All right, let's do it. <laughs> clean slate. Yeah, clean yeah. slate. I'm like, oh, man, I, I can... I can only imagine what that's right. like. It, it is tough. And, you know, you look at these verses like 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where it says, where Paul is talking about preaching the gospel. And he says in verse 22, to the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And it's it's this idea that, you know, we are, and your dad talked about this yesterday in our sermon, we are to go to the sinners. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did Jesus do all throughout the gospels? Yeah. Right? He Hung out with the tax Hung collectors. Hung out with the tax collectors. Yeah. He talked to the prostitutes. He, you know, cleansed the lepers. Like the underbelly of society. That's that's where he thrived. Yeah. And like yeah. you, like you alluded to, Atticus, it was the I forget that people can't see who I'm talking to. Like I just gotta say, like you I'm were alluding to Atticus, was pointing at you. <laughs> but no, like he, like Atticus was saying, he was very compassionate with those people and very harsh with the religious people. Yeah, yeah and sure. it, it is that you know we need to go. And, yeah. and, and I think it's really, really important. We don't take that too far, mm-hmm. right? Where we're going to get drunk with the, with the right. sinners, quote, yeah. you know, yeah. we're not out there doing that. We're not compromising our beliefs and our morals. Yeah. Right. But we meet them where they are and we yeah. show them compassion and show them grace and show them mercy. Right. Show them who Jesus was. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, um, oh, for one, you mentioned that. My dad preached a sermon. My dad is a pastor of the church that we all go to. In case we, you guys didn't we know We mentioned that. it a few times. Okay, yeah. 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 Also, so. 90% of our listeners come from our church. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <Yeah>. church family. <laughs> uh, you had just mentioned Gary Almond. And um, I was very. he's a very wise guy from my like few conversations I've gotten to have with him. He went very deep, had a lot to say. But in a recent group I was in with him and then another guy, they talked about their most unfruitful seasons in their entire life. And the one guy said his was behind a pulpit preaching to his church. Wow. The other guy, uh, Gary, he talked about it was whenever he was a professor at Boyce College. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, whenever you're surrounded by the Christian bubble and you don't get out of it, you become unfruitful. And it's just like, well, 
that was my whole childhood. You know, I, I was homeschooled. It was just like, good. I was raised right. Like I was taught good lessons. But, and I was also raised in the church. But it, at one point I was like getting this, you know, it's probably a message about the Great Commission. And I was like, well, who do I go to? Like <laughs> all of my friends are saved. Yeah. yeah. Everyone I know. And I was like, I don't have a mission field. And that just like, I went to my parents like probably that day. And I was like, I really want to go to a school. Like I want to go to where there are no believers. I want to hang out with the sinners. Not for like, <laughs> not for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Like purely because it's like, they need to hear, like someone's yeah. got to tell them. And, and it's interesting because we, we mentioned a couple weeks ago, I think, where don't put this on your kids to be missionaries in the public schools, especially with the way public schools are now. Yeah. yeah. But we did kind of caveat that with if, if your kid is solid and you have that, you feel it. Yeah. That kid is solid. Like, I think you yeah, were raised in that parents. way. Yeah. Then, I mean, yeah, man, go go for it. Because you're right. I mean, if you're you're homeschooled. You're raised in the church. You're working. <laughs> maybe you have a job that's... With, with other Christians, with other right believers, now, that's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not working in the in the normal secular fields, yeah. right? Where is yeah? Where is that mission field? It's yeah. it's it, it's not Facebook. Like that's yeah. not that's not <laughs> no. how this works, yeah. right? So yeah, it, you have to go where they are. Yeah, and you I, have to get yourself uncomfortable. Yeah, that's something that me and uh, my wife have already talked about. Is like when we do have kids, like we are going to make sure that they have an opportunity, a place where they can share because like we just want our kids to know that that like this great commission is not a joke. It's not something that like we are just going to like talk about, but like I expect my kids one day to to do this and I will train them. Like I will personally teach them how to fulfill this, how to live out the great commission, how to tell people about Jesus. It's like, that's my job. That would be my job as a father to do that. And so it's like, yeah, they have to have that. They have to have a mission field somewhere. And like whenever they're ready, like you guys were just saying, but I will encourage my kids. Like I, I will expect it almost like yeah. to, to well, see them be obedient. To teach them. This is a command. Yeah. This, this, yeah. Isn't, this wasn't a suggestion that Jesus said, hey, you can if you want. Yeah. No, the king of the universe said, go do this. Yeah. And right. as a father teaching children after me, you do it as well. Yeah. And, and so I think the next question is, where does your evangelism start? Where does your actual going out into the world and teaching God's word start. Yeah. And I, I think it starts go ahead. No, I said go back. You're fine. <laughs> I was like, yeah, really I guess the uh, caffeine. So I think Acts really gives a great example of how to start and where to go and what to do. And definitely right off the bat would be Acts chapter one verse eight. It says so this is Christ, this is the ascension. It says But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, in Samaria, and then to the end of the earth. So right there, that that shows me that Christ was saying, hey, start with who's around you. Start with who's adjacent, whoever's next to you. You grab them and you you tell them about me. Mm -hmm. And then you go to Judea, then Samaria. And then once you've reached that, go to the ends of the earth. And at that point, that was just the known world, everything right. that Rome had conquered and so on and so forth. Um, I mean, you have times where uh, Paul was trying to go to Asia, and there are speculations on them even going up to Russia later on after this, and this would be after Paul was beheaded and Peter was crucified upside down. When you come to know Christ, you're getting to know the word and you're deepening your faith and you want to start the Great Commission, as we're called to, where do you start at? Well, it starts in your town. Mm-hmm. It starts in your neighborhoods. Then you go out a little bit further. And as we've said before, we're making disciples. When you go out and God has given you 
the opportunity to preach the gospel to somebody and they come to know Christ because of you, you don't just move on and move on to the next person. You disciple them. You you push them towards someone that is able to disciple them. And for me, this kind of leads into spiritual gifts a little bit, leading into the people that are more geared towards that 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 pastoring. You know, they are meant to pastor the church. So once you have evangelized, once you have made a, the disciple and you are moving on, you are able to say, okay, I'm moving on to the next town. You need to basically graduate onto meat and potatoes. This is how you do it, and this is who you need to go listen to. And then you, you're able to move on. It's getting to the point where you're not just making it, telling somebody, con- converting them, and then moving on and leaving them high and dry, stuck on milk. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to use that to uh, share a little bit about three-thirds. We don't have to talk about it at all yet, but just one of the things that we like to train people on, and we call it MAL, it's just an acronym, M stands for model, and then assist, uh, watch, and launch. And we kind of use the analogy of like, how did you learn how to ride a bicycle? And it was like, well, your parents probably modeled it, maybe your dad or your mom or someone at least, probably modeled it for you first. So you you watched them do it. Then they like assisted you, they put training wheels on or something, or you know, they, they held the bike while you were trying to ride. And then they watched you. Like eventually they were like, okay, you can do this. They might have taken the training wheels off or something. Like they just watched you do it. And they were like making sure, you know, if you fell, they would be there to catch you and it would help you or something like that. Eventually they're like, you know what? You can do this. I can walk away and just let you. And you kind of saying that, like move them on to meat and potatoes. It's like, well, I think, you know, as we're called to make disciples, this is probably the best way to do it is mm-hmm. let's show them what a disciple is. Yeah. Let's assist them into being a disciple. And then eventually it leads to like watching them making their own disciples and launching them to where it's like, I don't even have to. Yeah. Like you can do this on your own. Like I believe that that you have the power. So yeah. Because I think where we've fallen short as a church, especially in the West, in the West and, and, I, and maybe even as missionaries too overseas, is we do things so emotions-based mm-hmm. yeah. and we don't ever get to launch because it's such an emotional experience to convert to Christ. And, and you know, you, you got like in, in high school going to camps and stuff, you have the cry day, right? Like where the <laughs> whole goal is to make you cry and come yeah, to Jesus. exhaust you completely. So yeah. You already want to cry. <laughs> and then they just throw in Jesus and you're like, okay, you're like, exactly. Yeah, it's a bad so, thing. <laughs> yeah. So it, so we, we focus on these emotions and we don't move to the practical application. Yeah. We don't go into the logic behind Christianity or, mm-hmm. or to the reason behind Christianity that actually realizes, hey, this actually makes sense. Like, if you really think about it and you really start using putting some logic to it, putting some application to it, this actually makes sense. Like, it it tracks. Like, yeah. it, it flows. Logic. Yeah. Real so, logic. Yeah. So, we that's where I think we failed is, is that I like that acronym because we don't model it. We just, we share. Mm-hmm. We get them all hyped up, get them yeah. all, or bummed out, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> And then we just leave them. Yeah. Perfect example of that is, you know, my dad has a good friend that was a police officer with him for a while. They they did an internet company together for a little bit. And they've become friends. They've stayed friends throughout the years. They've been friends for a long time. And my dad's been sharing the gospel with them just over and over again. And finally, you know, six or seven years ago, he and his wife agreed to go meet with my dad's pastor. And in the midst of that, it was a real emotional conversation. And they accepted Christ. Well, then about a year later, just... 
their whole world came crumbling down and it just shattered their faith because they didn't move beyond that emotional conversion experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I'm not blaming the pastor. I'm not blaming my dad or anybody. I just, there was no, they were left on milk. They were left on milk and they just, yeah. they didn't have anything to stand up and hold on to when the world crumbled. And it did. And it, it it's been, it's been tough to watch, Yeah, wow. but it, you know, they just, they didn't have that firm grasp of, of Christianity. Yeah. And I think that's where we fail. And I don't know if it's on, I don't, well, I don't think it's on purpose. It just, for some reason, we struggle to get beyond it. Yeah. And you, you're talking about like it, what it looks like to me is like the thing that they lacked was like the disciple maker, the one who was like, I'll disciple you, not just I'll convert you. Right. Because like, yeah, the emotional experience. And like, look, I, I know a lot of people who have been saved. From the emotional experience. Yeah, I'm not discounting emotional right. at all. It works. Yeah, like, absolutely. There's something great about it, and I've seen it save people. But, you know, there's the, like, discipling. Like, well, you need to take... It. He doesn't tell us to make converts. He says, go and make disciples. And that involves, you know, like, one-on-one time, yeah. deep conversations, yeah. answering questions, being there whenever they're struggling, accountability. It involves just all these things. And I would like to share, we think it's, like, the pastor's fault or something. Like, but the pastor's doing his job. He's sharing the word of God with them and everything, but it's very hard for a pastor to, to disciple. You know, like my dad can't disciple 200 people in our right, church. Right. He can't be there daily and talk to them daily. I would say like Jesus says this to anyone who believes in him, like to all people, we are all disciple makers. This is not the call to the church. And I, I, I just encourage people get out of the stands and get onto the field. Like this is not the pastor's job to obey this. This is everybody yes believes. Well, well what's the pastor there i mean the pastor teaches and and he he kind of guides yeah yes but we're the ones that put the foot to the pavement and, yeah. and do the work right and, and not right. saying pastors don't do work you know what i mean yeah. like yeah. their role is different their role is to oversee and to guide us you know closer to christ and and to teach us the word and to preach the word but yeah that one-on-one discipleship it's impossible for a pastor to to do yeah, that with right so it's just people. impossible yeah. well and that's where Again, going back to the Great Commission, every single Christian is called to do this. Mm-hmm. And also, we're called to teach. Now, there there is a difference between the teaching as in pastoring and eldership versus just you're meeting one-on-one and you're teaching them going through and getting deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the role of women, looking at Titus 2, it is the job of the older women to be teaching the younger women, to be teaching the children. It is the job of the men to be leading and teaching their children and within the church, the elders. It is their job. They are supposed to be able to teach. So as the the pastor is leading the whole congregation, the elders are st- supposed to be coming in teaching themselves. And then it, again, we're just supposed to be building up the church, edifying the church, contributing to the needs of the saints. These are all commands that we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And and again, this leads into I I think it's known as the five pillars of um oh what's it called. Islam. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Definitely not. So, okay. Jesus. Ephesians 4. <laughs> Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I forgot what it's called. The five pillars of ministry, I think. The five different ministries within the church. Okay. Um, you have little a apostles, not, not as in the apostles, but that, that idea of you are, again, making disciples you are teaching them, you are guiding them once you're in the church. And again, leading to uh, these spiritual gifts, you will have those who have the gift of true evangelism. Like, like I believe that's one of your your big ones, as in like going into the world. That 
God's given you a desire to go into the world, to go to the ends of the, the earth. Yeah, for sure. And that, that is a calling that he has given you. Yeah. Whereas for me, I, I don't think it is. I don't feel as God has called me to go to Uganda or Turkey. But still, I am still to evangelize. I am still to go out yeah. into as much as the world as I can yeah. and disciple. Now, well, there, there's that general calling of all of us to be evangelists on yes, some level. Like, and I, then we all have our I'm specific. I'm not good and I don't like it. That's for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, if you tell yeah. me to go tell someone about Jesus, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> like, that's not something I'm like, yeah, let's go. But, like, my father-in-law, he loves to, like, he, he's told me multiple times, like, I just want to go knock on someone's door and just tell them. And I'm like. I love talking to Bob. That's great. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you do that because I am terrified of that. That doesn't. That doesn't sound fun to me at all. Yeah. But he loves people. He loves doing that. I'm yeah. more introverted than he is. But yeah, like you were saying, like, but we all have this call. Like, I can't tell you to go make disciples or I can't tell you to go evangelize and not be doing it myself. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, looking at even seasons, like I'm in a season of my life where I have young children and I'm discipling them. Now, that does not exclude me from carrying on the Great Commission to everyone else I meet, mm-hmm. which... God has placed me in such an awesome role in my job to where I not only get to turn trees, but I get to go talk to people. Mm -hmm. Like I'm actually, tomorrow I'm starting to plan a new circuit. So I'm about to go talk to a couple hundred people. So I know I go knock on a door and okay. If my boss listens, it's super cool because he'll be listening. But if he's not, sometimes (laughs) I get stuck talking to some person for an hour Yeah, and yeah, it eats up my time, but I'm, but I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is kingdom work. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Yeah. And, but granted, that's only been the past several years that, you know, I've been able to get as deep in my faith where I'm comfortable with that. And definitely looking at gifts versus talents, which we talked about in our, in our last couple episodes of gifts are the things that God has given you and he gave them to you to do it. So if you are not doing your gift and whatever that might be, administration, um, understanding wisdom, understanding knowledge, these things from heaven, then I would liken them to sin because God has given it to you and you are consciously not doing it. Um, Also, the Great Commission. If you are not fulfilling this commandment, you're sinning and you need to be doing that. And pastor, teacher, evangelist, uh, Paul Washer, um, one of my favorite quotes from his that actually my wife shared with me, it was, when you are going out into the world, you are evangelizing. Keep in mind that the king of the universe has sent you to go get your brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. He has sent you to go get your brothers and sisters. Why would you not? Mm-hmm. And for me, that was such a, a powerful thing that hit me. I'm like, oh, wow. James 4.17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Like, yes. This is the yeah. good we ought to do. Yeah. So I'll write that down. James, <laughs> James what? James four seventeen. James four seventeen. <laughs> so let's transition then, based on what you just said there, Austin. Practically speaking, what does this look like? Let's move beyond the abstract because I think we've covered the abstract pretty well. Of like, this is what we need to be doing, and, and I agree. Yes, this is what we need to be doing. But let's let's put it to practice. What practically does this look like? Yeah. You know, I think I made the the kind of joke slash comment like it doesn't look like sharing stuff on Facebook. Yeah. I am dead serious about that. Like, it's funny. We laugh because we all know people who do it. Yep. But Facebook is not the place. Yeah. Like, I mean, you yes. You make a disciple on Facebook. You, you can. I mean, maybe. You, well, you can share Someone some, might do that. That's fantastic. Right. But, uh, I mean, you can share praise truth. Praise be to God. Yeah. <laughs> you can share truth. And, yeah. and I think for me, like, I, I sometimes would want to call out kind of the false teaching side of things and yeah. be like, hey, this is not, this yeah. is not biblical. Let, let's put it. 
But to just start a Facebook argument about Christianity, it's not going to yeah. do a lot of good. So I also don't think standing outside of a concert or a sporting event, shouting into a megaphone is the best way to go about this either. Yeah. Because I know for me, like I've gone to the Oak, Kentucky Oaks, a big horse race here in, in, sure. in Kentucky. I've obviously been to a bunch of sporting events and different big events. And I just, I see these people out there just screaming into megaphones yeah. and I'm like, this turns me off and oh, I'm yeah. a Christian. And I'm a Christian. Like yeah, I, right. I, I agree with probably what you're saying yeah. in, in general, but the way you're doing this is not, it, it's not effective and it's going to turn people off as opposed to bringing people in. Maybe I'm wrong in that. I don't know. Yeah. But I just don't feel like that's... So what do we do? Yeah. What, practically, what well, do we do? I wanted to share this uh, when Austin was talking about it. But one of the largest churches in the world right now is actually in, I believe, South Korea. It's somewhere like in the in the Middle East around there. And the way it grew so big uh, was with a few different ways. But this guy, this pastor, he didn't... It's not like one big church that it's like, you know, Southeast is like what I always look at. It's like, it's a huge church. All these people come in. But no, he just started pastoring a few people and taught them to pastor their own churches. And like as he did that, they all they all started making their own disciples and they taught them to make their own. And like it that's just like that's practically to me, like the best way of doing it is like I'm not gonna try to get two hundred people or like five hundred or and yes. get this big I'm gonna teach, you know, like three people and I'm gonna teach them how to teach three people. And then they can teach someone how to teach three people. So yes. it's that, it, it's on it. It's the movie Pay It Forward. Yeah. Right? It's that concept of I'm going to help three people. In turn, they help three people. In turn, they help. And it just, it mul- multiplication. Multiplication. One of the, yeah. honestly, was Gary Allman did something like this in one of our classes where he, yeah. he talked about how that in the long term produces, if we just go by numbers, just sheer numbers, produces yeah, yeah. more disciples. Yep. Yeah. Than trying to go preach to 500 yeah. people at once. Not to mention the benefits of if you have a smaller group, it can be more intimate. Yeah. There's accountability. It can be just, there's more like, hey, I have a very deep question about this. You know, like who knows what could happen out of that. Whereas like if you have one guy trying to preach, they can't just ask questions or not everyone. Like I, I can't just ask Kyle Adam a question randomly. Right. Like, that's my dad a question anytime I want. Yeah. But like, you know, <laughs> someone who like is a mega church, they have so many people under them. I can't just like ask them, raise my hand among these like 5,000 people and be like, hey, I have a question. Yeah. You know, so it's like Jesus started with 12, you know, that kind of thing. And then he taught them how to get their own 12. Yeah. And then like that. And and it was like he was one-on-one with them. He walked with them. They did everything together. It was a close group of bros. And it was like, those were his disciples. Yeah. So That's why I am such a big proponent of home churches. Yeah. Of being able to start a church in your home you have this solid group and these are <clears throat> these are going to be episodes that we're going to go through as in okay what is the role of men what is the role of women in the church and these are i think some of the pitfalls of home church of you're trying to get these people together and if you are not doing it right as of what scripture says then it just becomes a bible study mm-hmm. doing home church i've been a part of several i've been a part of one that went pretty long. And actually my parents are still there. And it is such a beautiful thing to be a part of, like you said, the intimacy to Mm -hmm. be able to have your teacher, have your pastor leading you through these things and be like, Hey, got a question. Mm -hmm. And that is such a good thing. Yeah. The opposite side, the bad thing would be again, what leads into the Bible study as in he's teaching, but then it gets into this, Oh, well, let me interject because I know something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's it's a good thing if you're having a Bible study, but if you, if you're having church like a home church, it has to be it has to be stable. It has to be structured as in church. You have your pastor leading, 
And it's biblically speaking, what does it say for women not to do? It says, I do not permit a woman to speak within the, the confines of actual church, the actual going through the sermon, I guess you could say. And yeah, there, there are structural things that you can go through. One guy, I, I really like his name's Dale Partridge. Listen to a lot of his stuff. Actually, I'm, I'm getting some of his curriculum. And, and he, he may have gotten me to start listening to him too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I might have sent you one to, no, I sent someone else. You sent me else. something, something else, else today. Yeah. yeah. I sent Brad a lot of stuff to listen to. <laughs> I listened to about 60% of it. <laughs> yeah, it was like an hour and 50 minutes. That was a long I'm one. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, no, he has, that's one of his and his wife's ministries, starting home churches. And the whole idea behind it is get these people in and again, you're discipling. You you are building up and rendering to the needs of the saints. And once you get them to a spot, it's like, all right, go start another one. Mm-hmm. Go start another home church. And being able to have 10 home churches doing their thing, but then being able to come back and forth being like, this is the church, yeah. the big C church. Yeah. I mean, it. and that's how, that's like the X X church like that yeah that's how the church was created in homes yeah yeah it was in homes yeah every time like every time they met they would commune they would break bread together they would worship you know stuff like that it's Mm -hmm. like that was an everyday thing but then also it was like they spread they multiplied and i I wanted to talk about that because brad had mentioned multiplication that is i mean critical to this like we are to multiply but how do you multiply uh and i think that's like a no no one really knows that exact answer but yeah um I will be talking about these guys a few times, but three of my um, favorite favorite guys, I don't know, most influential guys, I, I think I already talked a little bit, but uh, a guy named Eric Berry, uh, Jim Gray, and Tim Faree. And uh, Eric Berry has talked to me a lot about keeping everything very simple mm. um, because he's like, if you want something to multiply, it has to be reproducible. Whenever mm. you go into something that is so like, I'm like, honestly, I'll have to say this to you guys. Like if you go somewhere that is so deep that someone can't, can't share it with someone, yeah. they can't multiply. Yeah. It has to be something that you I hear you say, and I can go share it with this. You guy have to here. start with milk. Yeah. You have to yeah. start with, you can't stay there, Yeah, but you have to start, especially with evangelism. You have to start with, with the gospel, the milk, just yeah. the, the bare bones. Yeah. And like, we can all talk, you know, extremely deep. We can use very intellectual words although i'll say i am nowhere close to as intellectual or as smart as you guys are with that stuff i'm like yeah i i'm very simple-minded dude i didn't know a lot of these words until i got with brad (laughs) brad Brad has a degree so whatever um but yeah (laughs) stop (laughs) but yeah i mean like that that stuck out to me big time because it seems like my whole like life i was like i have to get deeper i have to know these big words and it's like well if you really want to be reproducible Make it something very simple. One of my favorite quotes whenever I did my training, and I, I have to go back and find the video to find the guy who said this, but it's like this old video and the guy said, Christianity, uh, wait, I think I have it written down actually. Yeah, Christianity is simple and hard, not complex and easy. Because we can talk about it like it's this complex, like, you know, crazy big thing, but it's, it's very easy to do. You just have to go to church every Sunday morning and that's all. You know, like that's generally what a big mindset of Christianity is, but it's like in, in reality, Christianity is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul, love your neighbor as yourself, yep. go and make disciples. It's very simple. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it, like, you can go way deeper with it, of course. But like, it's simple, but it's super difficult. Like, it's yeah. hard to love God with all your heart, mind yeah. and soul. It's hard to love your neighbor as yourself. It's hard to make disciples, but it's simple. Like, that's that's our job. Well, yeah. And again, when Christ says, go out and teach them my commandments, Look at how Christ taught. Yeah. He took these hard things and he didn't dumb them down. I, I, I don't like 
when people say that. Yeah. He didn't dumb them down. He made them easier to understand. Yeah, simple, yeah. Simple. Yeah. And, that, and that's it. That's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. As as Christians, we always need to be get, getting deeper. We need mm-hmm. to be able to dive in t- deep to the, the word and get to the point where we're chewing these big, thick steaks. Like, yeah. uh, looking at things like Calvinism, Arminianism, what is that? And uh, diving deep into that, looking at predestination, those are hard things. Yeah. Those those are things that you're like, if you're a new believer, don't look at yeah, that. We're, Not we're fine. Yet. We don't need to get into that. No. Yeah. And yeah, you get them on milk. And you need to, as Christians, be able to dive deep in the Word and do that on your own, and even with your fellow believers that are, are deep into it as well. Yeah. But be able to transist, or not try, man, I'm losing my words. Um, being able to transition. switch into, and yes, transition into going back to talk to believers that have no idea what this stuff is. Or non-believers. Or, yeah, or that yeah. too, yeah. That's, I think that's a big struggle that we have pers- like personally in our church and in most of the churches that we have is like whenever you have people who are very knowledgeable about scripture, it's hard for them to know how to talk to someone who doesn't have any knowledge. Yes. It's like, well, where do I start? Because I just want to start with like, well, the Great Commission. And they're like, what's, what is that? Like, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then you get back it up <laughs> yep. farther and stuff. I, I already shared uh, Eric Berry. One of my, I mean, my probably my most favorite thing about him is that he has an, an awesome testimony. Uh, he was saved whenever he's 20. He's like, uh, I think 60 now or around there. We can cut that out. Uh, <laughs> he's probably listening like, how dare you? He is a <laughs> he was seasoned Christian. <laughs> yes. Okay. He, yeah. He's a very seasoned Christian. Yeah, have a second. He's a very wise man. And whenever he first got saved and he went to the mission field, he said he just felt like my job now is to be like a good Christian. <laughs> That's how he said he felt like. So he's like, I think I'm getting paid to be like a good Christian. So he um, started reading the Bible every year through and through. And for the past 30 years, he's read it through and through 30 times in a row. I mean, I'm like, that's super wow. cool. Yeah, that's awesome. He is very deep into the word of God, but he has taken the most difficult things for me to understand and made it so simple that yeah. anyone can understand it. I mean, and, and we talked about the covenant training. Uh, Brad mentioned it. That's something that Eric is leading at our church. And it's like, don't get me wrong. That stuff's very complex. And sometimes he can be complex with it. But he has made it understandable for so many yeah. people. Yes. I mean, this is absolutely this is hard stuff to talk about. And I'm like, that is what like we need to learn how to do. We can learn these deep words. But like, uh, Paul, I mean, I guess kind of an analogy to this is like talking about speaking in tongues. Like speaking in tongues is good, but unless you know what it means, like unless you can, like what's the point of it? Unless there's someone to interpret, well, yeah. there's no point. I mean, look at, look at Paul, just as an example throughout his, his writings. I mean, he writes to... The Greek philosophers. Yeah. Like he writes and he he argues for Christianity to these highly educated, very lofty people. He uses lofty language. He yeah. he yeah. he goes high with them, goes but then he becomes all things to all people. Yes. Right. Yeah. So then he he goes to the quote unquote gutter. Yeah. Right. And he talks to the sinners and to the lowly and to the uneducated. Yeah. yeah. And he's effective in both. And I think that should be a goal yes, as well. Sure. Is being able to talk, know your audience, yeah. Yeah. know who you're talking to. Yeah. And if you have to talk to someone who is highly educated, yeah. then yeah, break out the big words, break yeah. out the lofty talk, break out the... Well, what Peter but if says, you, yeah. having having a defense all the time, right? no matter who you're talking to. So yeah, being able to have a defense at all times. Um, you're meeting with an atheist, and they have all these things that they're saying that the Bible contradicts each other with, and you're able to look and say, well, no, it doesn't. This is why. And you're able to dive into that. You're looking at uh, a Christian that was turned off um, from someone that hurt them in, in the church yeah. and say, it was not church that hurt you. It was sinful people. Mm-hmm. Well, and- you're, you're not going to talk to the single mom who is coming off a drug addiction 
the same way you're going to talk to the guy who just got his PhD in physics. Yeah. Right now, granted, you may not be able to talk to that person necessarily on that same level by any means, but I'm just saying, it's you have to know who you're talking to. It's yeah. it's a completely different conversation For sure. and a different style. Yeah. Well, and so going going back to the topic we had a little bit ago, talking about not standing on a soapbox. I I use Paul as in like I I'm actually think that's okay. He went to the synagogues. He went to these open places, and he he started teaching there, and. And again, there's a right way and a wrong way. My my wife and I at the time, uh, she was my fiance. We went to a Shania Twain concert at the Yum Center. <laughs> there you go. And we were all standing outside waiting to go in. And here hops up this guy with his megaphone and starts saying how Shania Twain is evil and she's going to hell. And I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like at that time, I was not a Shania Twain fan. I'm not really. Now I I don't even I don't care I'm sorry Emily <laughs> she's okay she's the fine. things you do for love exactly for those of you right. burdened by love and going on and on I'm like whoa whoa dude like chill like literally you are turning people away and there's a right way and a wrong way to do it to be able to stand up and teach the gospel preach to these people mm-hmm. saying God loves you He doesn't like what you're doing yeah but He still loves you I love you and let me let me tell you about it as paul would say let me let me show you an even better way right and that's what we need to be doing and like practically it's like you go to a shania twain concert and you talk to people about shania twain and then it goes from there to like yeah and that's why i love jesus you know like you exactly you transition yeah. It. yeah and uh I, I would like to share something that like we were trained in or not that we were trained in but uh i'm gonna talk about three thirds i guess in a little bit we're, we're almost there we can go okay. ahead now well yeah. no we don't have to yet but uh, i was gonna say that um, <laughs> i had one more thought and then i was gonna actually get to it so. okay. okay yeah a tool that we have for people in three thirds is uh the testimony training and we call it ramp it's once again another acronym three thirds is like all acronyms almost so it's like ramp is resurrection apostles testimonies the uh, miracles of jesus and the prophecies and it's just a way to share the gospel two different tools that or how you can evangelize. So your testimony or sharing the gospel. And uh, it's like, so you, you, t- you start with this conversation about the concert or whatever. And first you just listen to them, let them share their story. You know, like, yeah, where do you come from? What's your story? And you just kind of figure out where they're at spiritually. And then you go from there and you're like, well, Hey, that, that actually makes a lot of sense with my life. Like, can I share my testimony with you? And then you transition from there and you're like, this is my testimony and you lead it. And, and the training itself teaches you how to like incorporate like Jesus obviously and like how to get to the point where you're like, can I tell you more? Or do you want to meet Jesus? Well, I mean, that kind of sounds threatening. (laughs) (laughs) There's a middle Eastern. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lyric from a a song. It says there's a middle Eastern man with holes in his hand after you. And I'm like, oh, oh man, yeah. I'm not sure. I feel and like that. every time I hear that, I, like it cracks me up. But I'm yeah. also like, yeah, you may not want to tell people. <laughs> See, like the whole church like raising their hands to this song, like worshiping Jesus. <laughs> He's coming after me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we're gonna transition and and have Atticus talk about three thirds. He's alluded to it a couple times, and I really want him to get into what this is because I've I've done it. I mean, a little bit. Been a part of a couple groups. Um, not like super in depth, but I, I liked what I was a part of for the yeah. couple few weeks I went to it. So he's going to do that. But I want to encourage you guys one thing. There is a video by Penn Jillette. I don't know if you all know who that is. He is the pen and pen and teller. 
famous um, magician, ma- magician act. act out of out of Vegas. Actually, really talented and and pretty funny when they're not being vulgar, but pretty pretty funny. Yeah. And he is a staunch atheist and very, from what I understand, his shows very adamantly atheist, even in his performances. Right. So um, pretty against Christianity and just the idea of God in general. But he did a video and this video is like at least 15 years old, hmm. maybe, maybe a little bit older than that. But he did a video where he had a guy come up to him and, and handed him a Bible after a show. And the guy said, you know what? I'm just going to be straight with you. I am trying to witness to you. And, he, I think he even used the word "I'm proselytizing," like I'm, I'm just sharing the gospel with you. Yeah. And it blew the guy, it blew Penn away. Didn't believe it. He didn't buy into it. But he said, you know, he cared enough about me to to do this. And he said, if if you believe that you have the key to heaven and you have the only way to avoid hell, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them that? Yes, exactly. And that that has stuck with me for since the first time I watched it, fifteen, yeah. sixteen years ago. That's like. Powerful. How much you have to hate somebody not to tell them about the only way to avoid eternal suffering, the only way to avoid hell. So I'm going to probably link that video uh, in our description. Go check that out. Because you can tell, like I said, Penn, he's not a, not a believer. I mean, to this day, from what I can tell, he's still not. But he, it affected him. Like, yeah. it actually had an impact on him when, when he thought about that. So yeah. I'll throw that link in, in the description uh, to that video. Check it out. Watch it. See if it impacts you the way it did me. You know, I think there are, there's more discussion to be had about just how to do this and how to be practical with it. Um, oh, there's curriculum yeah. showing you how to better evangelize. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we might take another episode or two at some point in the near future and really dive into the Great Commission even more and even deeper. Because yeah. um, we, we didn't even hit on baptism here, right? Yeah, like, yeah. so there's a lot to it. That, that we'll we have just... an episode on baptism. Oh, no, for sure. <laughs> but to kind of finish this episode, we're going to let Atticus kind of talk about three-thirds about what he's the movement he's involved with, and uh, we'll we'll throw some info in the description as well on that, uh, so you can check that out. Because again, like I said, I, I haven't done a lot of it, but what I've done, I've liked. So take it away, man. What, what we got? Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, my testimony with it, um, which I'll keep it short. Essentially, I said I felt God calling me into the mission field. I was like gonna, I was planning on going into worship ministry. I was like, okay, I guess this is where God's calling me. So. I changed all my plans. I had already gotten accepted to a college. I was like, no, not going there anymore. Uh, and so I ended up getting teamed up with an organization called Team Expansion. They had a one-year course called the D course. It's just like a hands-on like learning experience. You have all these videos and everything. And uh, I also had a, one of my friends made a connection. A shout out to Lindsay Still, my sister. Uh, she made a connection for me with uh, my brother, Jim Gray. Jim Gray, uh, we just like met up, sat down for coffee. I mentioned that I want to like get involved with refugees because I had to have some kind of like with this D course, I had to have some kind of practical, you know, doing this with someone. So I was like, yeah, I'll try refugees. So he hooked me up with some refugees. Uh, very cool. Refugees are awesome. They And there are a lot of them in Louisville. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a big community in, in the Louisville area. Yeah. So I got to, you know, play soccer with them and stuff. But um as I got more involved with Jim, Jim was like, oh, you need to meet this guy, Eric. So I was like, okay, I'll meet Eric. Eric's fantastic. We did a like Saturday morning church, three-thirds group training thing with some pastors, refugee pastors in Louisville. And uh, that was like an amazing time in my life because it was just like, we would go there. They might show up. They might not. It, like one time they didn't. And so it was me, Eric. Jim and Tim, and we all just sat in Eric's car and we talked for like four hours about making disciples and all this stuff. And I was like, this is like so cool that I could just sit with these like 
much older men than me and just get to learn from them. Wow. And so uh, that was like a lot of what I did was just like sitting and learning from them. But then they got me involved with some people in Louisville are doing this with inmates. Um, and so they are like, hey, if you want to learn about Jesus, we can tell you these inmates come and they, they learn about it and they start teaching them how to teach their other inmates. Mm -hmm. And so in this prison in Louisville, it's like this huge number of people are multiplying and becoming disciples. And so I got to go there on Fridays and I would lead worship. They were insane about the worship. They loved it. And then I would like, I think one of my first times I literally sat down and I got to hear like all of their testimonies because we were practicing how to share your testimony. And I mean, like talking about a crazy experience is like sitting down and hearing like 20 people's 20 inmates testimonies of yeah. like, yeah, I was in like drugs. Uh, my mom committed suicide when I was eight. I almost committed suicide when I was 12, stuff like that. And it's just like, and now they're like, and Jesus saved my life. And I want to be a disciple maker. <laughs> like, this is <laughs> yeah. awesome. Like yeah. I have to be up with this. So that was super cool. A great experience. And then probably the, the thing that got me like, okay, I'm hooked. I'm doing this my whole life was uh, I went to Eric's house. He had all these leaders. Uh, we were all together and they, we just sat down and they were sharing like victories. And the guy who started this in the, in the prison or halfway house, he said, for one, he used to be, uh, he was in prison for 40 years of his life and got saved. Wow. And then he started doing this there. He was just sharing the numbers of like baptisms of the year or something like that. And it was like, he baptized like 150 people and then 250 people after him got baptized, stuff like that. Like it was just these crazy numbers. And I was like, I don't even see that in my church. This one guy is doing this. So that's awesome. So wow. it got me super involved or, or super hyped up about it. And then as they all went around the room sharing stats, uh, we got on Zoom and went international, and which I didn't even know at this point. I was like, oh, this is international. Wow. <laughs> so then they start sharing stats around the world and we're online with like people from Spain, Brazil, uh, like all over the world. And they're just like, yeah, three thirds. Uh, we started doing this and now we can't even fit inside our church anymore. It's grown so much. And that like literally happened. They talked about like, we had like 500 baptisms in five weeks. I was like, what is going on? Like, right. the stats <laughs> um, and they shared all the stats with me of what's been going on and how fast this has been growing. And I said, like, I just like said to all of them right then and there, I was like, I've never been a part of something that says we will change the entire world in our generations or in our generation. And we have the stats to prove it. I was like, that is mind blowing. So it, it just got me like, I am 100% on board with this. I said that to them and all of them were like, wow, yeah, that's it. That is really cool. So they were all like blown away by that. They're just like, this is way bigger than any of us. Like God is doing something that I couldn't even imagine. And the fact that we can actually talk about or Jesus coming back to take us home because of what we're doing, yeah. like this is awesome. So it, it got me like so on board with this. And then since then, I got connected with people in Uganda and uh, that's, we started training them on Saturday mornings over Zoom and uh, they they connected with, with people in Spain uh, and then they even connected with people in Northern Indiana. We were like, oh, wow. so I went from Indiana, you got it back to Northern Indiana. We're like, what is going on? So, <laughs> uh, and they ended up there. They have like, I have the numbers. I think they got 33 groups started. So there's like three people. So it's like they have a hundred people now in Uganda doing this over the past few months because we started this with them. And that was something that I got to be a part of. So that was super encouraging. But anyway, so that's a little bit of my testimony. That's why I'm on board with this because this is something that's talking about fulfilling the Great Commission. And so something I wanted to point out in this is whenever Jesus says, all authority on earth 
on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Austin kind of talked about this, talked about this a little bit. He said, what do we teach them? The commands. And I wanted to be like, well, yeah, we teach them the commands for sure. We teach them how to obey the commands. Yes. Teaching them the knowledge is good. Teach them how to obey this is better. So three-thirds is an obedience-based Bible study. I don't even know if I'm allowed to call it a Bible study at this point. We call it discipleship training or for non-believers, simple church. Studying of scripture. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Not really just studying, but just like applying, application of scripture. We don't want a Bible study. We want a Bible do. And so there's like all these verses on like obedience and everything. But one of my mentors in this uh, said, you could be a doctor in theology, but the Lord wants a doctor in obedience. Mm. And uh, some of the scriptures I have is like, if you love me, you'll keep my command. And then what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds, can such faith save them? And then I already shared the, if anyone knows a good they ought to do, but doesn't do it, it is sin for them. This is all about obedience. Jesus talks about it over and over again. Obedience is great, or obedience is, knowledge is great, obedience is better. And I wanted to share one of the things I was trained in was knowledge puffs up. Uh, that's a proverb talking about knowledge puffs up. And so we had to do this uh, like example, and I could do it with you guys, but I won't. But it's like if I were to have you guys just uh, inhale and hold your breath as long as you could, you know, say we started doing jumping jacks or something. If you, you couldn't hold your breath that long. And if you really tried, you could end up like passing out or something. I don't know yeah. if you really could force yourself, but knowledge is great. Oxygen is great, but if it's not used correctly, you'll die. It could kill you. Yeah. And so like oxygen, you need it for your body to survive. But if it's not used correctly, it'll hurt you. If it is used correctly, it makes you healthier. And so knowledge like I've said this multiple times, it's great. <laughs> but if, if you don't obey it, it will affect you. It will hurt you in the end. Well, something I've heard you say before is <clears throat> having that those levels. You, uh, It's a left and right level, whatever it is. It's the left side is, is knowledge, right side is obedience. Mm-hmm. And the knowledge and obedience, they in order to be in unison with scripture, has to be level. Mm-hmm. And as soon as knowledge starts getting above your obedience, that's it. You're your, the pride starts leaching in. Yeah. Your your puffiness starts coming yeah. in. Well, just, right. just, it, who knows scripture better than anybody? The devil. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I mean, he has all the knowledge of scripture. Yeah. Th- is, is he? <laughs> Where is he? That's exactly. Right? Like, yeah. it's... So, yeah, that's exactly right. You have... Yeah. There has to be application to this knowledge. It's yeah. not knowledge for knowledge's sake. Yeah. Well, sure. and, and quick side note, as, as you're going... <laughs> it, as someone who has grown up in the church, as someone who has very strong believing parents, you know that's that's a pitfall for these these young children growing growing up in the church of its knowledge, and until you can actually be put in the situation of obedience to where you're actually able to apply what like what you're talking about, it's just knowledge, mm-hmm. and um, knowledge won't get you to heaven. Knowledge won't get you to heaven. No, it yeah. won't. And I even going. Maybe one day we'll share our testimonies or something like that. But as as someone who got married at a very young age and started having a family, yeah. it's like that, <laughs> right? That application right, started hitting yeah, right. Happy Valentine's Day, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Sorry. Austin to be your Valentine's There you go. <laughs> I'm leaving. Did you bring the chocolate? <laughs> Austin, did you bring the chocolate? I thought, what? I thought you were supposed to bring the chocolate for Brad. This is weird. This is weird. <laughs> 
quit. I brought the flowers. I regret everything. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Uh, So, yeah, that, again, yeah, knowledge versus obedience. They have to be level. And, I mean, heck, even if obedience starts kicking above your knowledge, I don't know how that would happen. But if that's even the case, that's great. But it's when your knowledge starts going above obedience that is is not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, you... Yeah, that's, that's completely right. I'm not going to keep going on that because I'll just get long-winded. So, but yeah, <laughs> you're right. That's good. <laughs> what I'll do real fast is I'll explain how three-thirds works. Three-thirds, um, like I said, this is an obedience, uh, ob- obedience-based Bible study. It's It kind of works just like every other Bible study format where you sit down, you open your Bible, and we, like... Everyone has a paper out in front of them that explains how the format of the night will go. And so it talks about um, the first, it's called three thirds because it's split into three different sections. The first third being uh, looking back on your past week, how your relationship with God was. Just It's kind of like an accountability time. Were you able to share with someone? Were you able to train someone else, you know, how to be a disciple of Jesus? Were you able to obey the scripture that we read last week? Um, so that's the first third. The second third is looking up. So we look into scripture, diving into the word. And this is where I talk about it has to be simple, it has to be reproducible. So we don't go into like, you know, like, so what theology does this pull from? Or like, you know, uh, I also talk about the Calvinism and Arminian stuff. Uh, granted, I've been a part of those conversations among three thirds groups, but how it's usually supposed to work is very simple <laughs> so that anyone in the group, whether like if you have a new believer or someone who's not a believer, they are right on board with you. Um, if we start going too deep with stuff, you'll lose someone and they'll never want to come back. It's so. all about the purpose. It's all about what is the purpose of what you're doing. And, yeah. and the purpose for this is not yeah. these deeper... Super deep theological questions. Right. Yeah, yeah for exactly. sure. So we look into it and we uh, we read the scripture one time as a group. And then we just ask, uh, what do you like about this passage? And what's something that might have been confusing? Or it says dislike. I don't... I don't usually go with dislike. I mean, although some of us could dislike a pastor. I dislike <laughs> yeah. the fasting part. You know, <laughs> I dislike what this part of scripture is telling me that I'm doing wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. What did you like about the passage? Was there anything confusing? Do you have any questions? That way, anyone who was lost can catch up. They can mm-hmm. understand what's going on. Uh, then we read it again together and we just ask what it teaches you about God and what it teaches you about people. And this is like, you can answer it however you want. Generally, if I look at a scripture, I will always pull something new away from it. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize this teaches me this part about God. Or, But if I try to like pull from all these other scriptures, I won't get what is right there in front of me. And so we encourage everyone, just focus on what's right there in front of you. Read, read that part. Don't try to go into this because like any of us at this table could probably pull 500 different scriptures. Like the Bible all connects. It's all great. We could probably pull all these different scriptures and combine it and make it look really cool, but we'll lose people along the way. And so we want to keep it simple and reproducible. So we go and that's the looking up portion. And then we go into uh, the looking forward. This is my favorite part because it involves the application. Like I said, this is a obedience based Bible study. So uh, our application, we start out by just like praying together and then we spend like three to five minutes listening to the Holy Spirit. And if there's anyone who doesn't know how to listen to the Holy Spirit, we just like try to teach them real fast. Like this is, this is the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. He wants to tell you how you can obey this. And it's right there in the scripture. So we just, we spend time like, Lord, how do you want me to obey this? And he usually like throws something out there. If we, if we read about fasting, it'll be something like, you know, I want you to fast once, twice, 
all week, you know, something like that. <laughs> um, if it's about tithing, I can look back on my past ones and tell you guys what some of it was about. Maybe it's just like, I want you to memorize the scripture. It's kind of like whatever tug you feel, or you might be reading it and it's like right there in front of your eyes. Like, this is how I need to obey it. So we start with an obey. Um, how can you obey the scripture? Then we do a train. What brother in Christ, what sister in Christ needs to hear this that you can go tell them about this? So you train someone else in it and then a share, which is the most uncomfortable for sure. It's like, who in your life doesn't know Jesus and really needs to hear this right now or just needs to hear Jesus? Who needs to hear your testimony? Who is God calling you to? Sometimes it's just like anyone, like anyone all week. If God puts someone in front of me, I'm going to share my testimony. All these things are like stuff we do not do on a normal basis, especially like in church. Like I've never been challenged in the church to do this. And then this group like opened my eyes to me like, yeah, I need to go share on a weekly basis. I need to obey this on a weekly basis. And so that obedience, I mean, like we might have this knowledge, it's good. But like I said, unless we obey it, you don't find the same growth. I've grown the most in my life obeying this stuff, doing three thirds. I've grown tremendously. And everyone that I talk to is like, yeah, I've been in church my whole life. This is the most growing season of my life because I'm finally obeying it. The obedience is not something to be like, just talked about. Jesus says, go and make disciples and teach them to obey the commands, not just to study it. So we create these things. And then the next week you come back together, we have, we start out with the accountability. Did you successfully complete these goals? Hmm. It's very cool because it has that accountability and it's all small group. We don't really do it in like a 200 person room. It's like, we, we would do it right here. Just the three of us, we could do it. Yeah. We would all have time to talk. We would all have our own goals. I could text you guys in the middle of the week and be like, how are you guys doing? And then we come back and I'm like, hey, were you able to do this? So that's the Bible study part of it. Along with that, Three Thirds offers many trainings. And this is something that I'm, I love about it is that it teaches you how to share your testimony, how to share the gospel, but also just how to pray. Here's a really good tool on how to pray. For me, like I knew how to pray before I went to Three Thirds. It taught me a tool that t- like I pray way better now than I ever have yeah. because of this. So I'm like, thank God for this tool. Um, it taught me how to study on my own, how to Bible study on my own. It taught me how to make my own list of people that I need to reach out to. Mm. So all these trainings are teaching people because like church, I love church. I'm, I go to church on a regular basis, but I'm never taught on how to really make a disciple. Yeah. I was talking to my uh, coworker about this this morning and I was like, Hey, do you have an accountability group? And he was like, no, I don't. I was like, well, I three thirds offers this. You should really check this out. So, uh, it's like it offers accountability. And then I was like, have you ever shared your testimony with anyone? And he's like, I don't even know my testimony. And I was like, okay. That's, <laughs> that, like a, yeah. the church doesn't know their testimony. A lot of people yeah. don't know their testimony. I did this with uh, my older brother, Isaac, who was on here. And he said he didn't even know he had a testimony until he did that training. And he was like, and now I realize I actually can share something with someone that yeah. might benefit them. I was like, yes, <laughs> we need to share this with everybody. So yeah. it's fantastic. And like, I have to say the the number one thing about this is that we just love God a lot. And out of love for him comes obedience. And as you obey him, you love him more. So is, is this, this seems to be geared towards those who believe already tip with, with the coming into a church, coming into a small group setting and doing that. This is geared towards those who already believe typically, right? Or or correct me if I'm wrong. I think I am biased to that because I've, like only had success within the church because I am a product of the church. Right. I am not good at evangelism because I have not been evangelized to. And so this like 
I have heard testimonies like the prison, for example. Yeah. None of the people were saved. Yeah. They're they're multiplying faster than any church that I know in the area is. Yeah. Like, I don't know how. They, like, more power <laughs> to them. That's amazing. God's doing fantastic stuff. Yeah. And I can't wait for the day that he uses me for that. But I really, honestly, I'm like, I have no idea how this works. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it looks, from, from what I've done with it as well, and, and what I've looked into is, it can definitely be used for both. Um, right. The whole point is to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Yeah. So, if you are coming into a situation where you are building up the disciples in which are already there. Okay. You're building that up and then you're sending them out. They're able to go out and either a reach people that have already, like we've talked about evangelism, people who were hurt by other Christians mm-hmm. or in the cases where they go to a Island in the middle of the Pacific that th- never even heard of Jesus before mm-hmm. to be able to get to a point where you can do this. It, yeah. it you can do both. This, this is the, not leaving them at the conversion spot is what this is, right? This is the, all right, they're at the conversion spot. Let's grab them and let's go. It gives an actual formula of how to do it. Let's give them something to hold on to when things fall apart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like I said, it's a small group. So it creates intimacy of like, we're all brothers and sisters just coming together, learning. And then like you asked, you know, does it work just in the church? This is what we do around the world globally. This yeah. is working like it works in the church for me because I am a pastor's son. I'm doing the church, but now people are doing this globally. And I, I wanted to share these stats with you guys. I talked about how this is something that could change the world and it already is for sure. So three thirds is a small movement inside of a big movement. The big movement is called the disciple making movement. And our vision of this movement is to be disciples and we have to quote it like every single week we meet together. It's a very great vision. And Eric Berry often says the vision is a leader. That's a, that's such a good quote. It's such a very powerful thing. Cause it's like, if you have the vision, the vision is a leader, then everyone on board is focused on accomplishing that vision. Right. Our vision in three thirds is to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples and thus see God raise up a disciple making movement that will bless the people of the city, the state, this nation into the very ends of the earth. And I want to talk about that disciple making movement. Uh, that's a big deal right now. And like, this is awesome. It is growing faster than the death rate. So essentially more people are being made disciples through movements like the three thirds movement than people are dying. I mean, like we're literally watching the stats change. The numbers are changing for the yeah. first time in history. Like that's like, incredible. This is awesome to be a part of. Um, so uh, Eric shared some stats with me earlier. Uh, among our small movement uh, that he started seven years ago, he started with one group. Now we're at 1,050 groups uh, among 5,300 people. And I don't even know. I should have asked him how many countries. He probably said it in very many different countries. Um, the one that I got to help out with was Uganda, which is very cool. But the disciple-making movement itself has 79 million believers involved in it among 1,500 movements. Three thirds is one of those, and 29 million Muslims are involved. This is the first time in in history that Christianity is making a change in the Muslim world. Wow! Yeah, it used to be that everywhere Christianity would go, Muslim would come and take over and you know change everyone. Like no, 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 not Christianity couldn't. Yeah, now usually by force, right? (laughs) Maybe yeah. (laughs) Now we're seeing the exact opposite happening, and we're actually most of the countries that like we are in is mainly Muslim. Like India, um, Turkey was where I got to go. All these different places. It's like, this is so cool that. And like, I've not gotten to see 
all this stuff happened, but it's happening. God's seeing it happen. We're fulfilling the Great Commission. Mm. I want to be a part of something this big. Yeah. So, well, yeah. and it's like I hear that, and it gives me that that oomph of yes, praise yeah. God. But then it also gives me that oh man, because now we know what's coming. <laughs> because yeah. in in Acts chapter one, where where the, the apostles are asking Christ, they're saying, "When is the time?" Yeah, and Christ says, "It is not for you to know. It is only for the Father to know." And knowing that we're two thousand years after death of Christ, and things are happening that in Revelation says has to happen before the end. Yeah. And so the reaching of people is one of them. And we're going to get to a point where we're going to reach all that we're going to reach because then God is going to send an angel down and the trumpet's going to blow. And then everyone on earth is going to know and they're going to fall on their knees. Yeah. And every every tongue will confess that he is, he is Lord. If this is true, if this is the movement that's going to get us there, it's like time's running out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so... Absolutely. You best get on it. You yeah. best be preaching and teaching and disciple making movements here. Yeah. And I, and I said this earlier, this is not the job of the pastor. Everyone who calls himself a believer in Jesus yes. needs to be doing this. And not saying you have to be doing three thirds, but uh, I think I shared with you, Austin, like a few weeks ago, Jesus commands us to be obedient. He says, if you love me, you obey my commands. And me and Eric both agree on this. This is the number one best way that I know how to be obedient to Jesus. Mm. This is the the best way that I know how to be fruitful. And so for me to not do this, it's a sin. Yes. Like I have to do yeah. three thirds now because this is the best way I know how to do it. <laughs> well, I, man, it it's pretty exciting stuff. Like honestly, it, it, it I haven't heard the numbers. You yeah. know, like I said, I'm I'm not super familiar. Yeah. I've done a few studies with you guys months ago, right? Like it's been a while. Right. And uh very cool. I, very encouraging, you know, to to see a group of people that are passionate about doing the Great Commission because again, it's it's that area that we fall short in. Mm-hmm. So so much. Yes. Like we 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 fail at this, and and you know we we've talked about the, the the reason behind this podcast is to dive deeper into the word, to dive into some of these bigger topics. I mean, we we have plans to talk about Calvinism and Arminianism, and, and talk about these deeper, meatier issues, but while still keeping in mind that we need to be sharing the gospel, yes, and sharing the milk yeah. with those who don't believe, and how do we do that? And this is a great way to. To kind of jumpstart that is, let's let's share the gospel. Let's get them to that conversion moment, and let's bring them in, and let's do these do things like three thirds, make these disciples, and then bring them in and be like, all right, now let's start talking about just the deeper stuff and just yeah. you know the things to wrestle with, iron sharpening iron, and just yes. wrestling with the word. Yeah, um, and so it very encouraging. That's pretty cool. So. Yeah. Uh, so Atticus, uh, you know, like I said, we'll uh, we'll put a link to um, the three thirds website yeah. on here. So people can check that out um, and they can get a hold of you through email. Yeah, I would love to share some stuff with you guys real fast. For one, um, if you are interested in this stuff or if you know someone who you're like, hey, I have missionary friends or I have people who want to be trained in stuff like this, um, you can email me, of course. Uh, my email is pretty simple. It's just Atticus, J-U-S-T-A-T-T-I-C-U-S at yahoo.com. You can email me, ask me questions, connect me to any uh, contacts. Even if they're globally, we do a Zoom meeting on Saturday mornings with people in Uganda, Spain. Uh, we had Australians on there. So like there was one time there was like eight or nine different accents on one Zoom that's call. Cool. Crikey. Like, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's it's amazing, really cool. right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was really a really fun time. Yeah, so we can connect with anyone. And you got to understand like me and all these guys, we just – 
we want to. We love Jesus a lot. We want to be obedient to him, and we want to connect you so that you can be obedient as well. We want you to share the same love for Jesus that we have. Um, so, yeah, hit us up, please. Uh, you can email me. And if you just want to find the tools, uh, it's on a website called uh, www.3thirdsmovement.com. It's a, the number three and then spelled out thirds. Uh, movement.com. There's a ton of tools on there. You can honestly probably train yourself because it's very simple. It's all reproducible. But if you wanted to uh, get in contact and get trained, we would love to connect with you. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we have fun doing this. So so you're going to be on for the 100th episode, correct? Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 We have to wait 50 more, but we'll, the, we'll get you back. I'm your old, oh, like special. You saved me for the best episode. Well, we can do 75. <laughs> we could, we could, that's a, that seems like a good number. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure yeah. it out. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> but no, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to, well, I, I, hopefully we'll have you back at some point yeah, soon when we get into a, another topic that we want to bring in the third voice and yeah. so y'all stop hearing us yeah. constantly yap at you. So, <laughs> but, uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook right now. That'll grow at some point soon. I keep saying that, but eventually it will, you know, we're, we're working on, we're it. working on it. We're more active. We have some ideas. We've also now we're talking about some things today. So, or subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you, Get your podcast. Give us a five-star review if you can. That really helps us out. And you can give us a five-star review on Spotify. Yes. I just figured that out. So give us a five-star on Spotify if you are a heathen and don't have an iPhone. Um, (laughs) Wow. Wow. It's fine. (laughs) God willing, I will never get one. That's why I said God willing. It's fine. So so do that for us. That We greatly appreciate it. Check out uh, the rest of our episodes. We're kind of going through Romans. We're going to take a little bit of a break from that, do a few things. We've got a few... I know. We've got some interesting ones coming. Topics that have really been kind of on our minds a lot lately, uh, just through different things we've been seeing happen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so we want to dive into a few topics. So we're going to pause Romans and and kind of dive into some other things a little bit. We'll eventually get back to Romans chapter 13. Uh, I feel like we took, what, 17 weeks to get through chapter 12. So, you know, we'll... (laughs) No, not really. But no, go check us out. Go go through Romans. Go through our Biblical Manhood series. We have a lot of stuff coming up that's going to relate to some of that. So... Let us know what y'all think. Share us with other people. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, we would appreciate it. And uh, if, like I said, if reach out to Atticus, if you have any questions on three thirds movements. Until we meet again next week for episode fifty-one. Do you know what we say? <laughs> I probably have heard it before. <laughs> wow. Does he even listen? No, he doesn't listen. He doesn't. It's listen. fine. I listen. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, stay, stay rooted. rooted. Yeah. yeah. There we go. All right. Stay rooted. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even like it. We'll see you guys next week.